I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, thoughts on the layering of personal history through time, and a book that really brings that into view. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 319, Translucency. And true to this current mode of thinking I'm in, there is this notebook approach going on. And so Thursday, Thursday night, out of sync, I should be at the library. All those Thursday nights at the library one year's word of the year anchored somehow upon the library, a weekly habit that carried over into the next year, and now, now, suddenly, unhinged. There is an endemic feeling of being out of step with my own patterns. The art class is still tonight, but he also has a bit of a gig there now. He heads down early, he catches the bus, He went yesterday to do part of his weekly hours, and I told him that I was going to go for a walk in a bit, I was still working at that point, and that I could pick him up when I was done. I would check in and see if he was ready, and if he was, I would pick him up. I got caught up with work longer than I expected. That really is just what happens. And I headed out for my walk a bit later than I planned, and a few laps in, knowing that he was probably done I sent him a text, figuring I would go ahead and wrap up early if it worked out to pick him up. So I asked if he was ready to go. He was. I'm finishing a lap and can be there in about 15 minutes, I told him. Nah, he said. I'll just take the bus. It'll be faster. I was still home before him. But this new pace, this new independence and new self-sufficiency... It means that tonight, Thursday, my library night, which really is this domino effect of his art class night, it's changed. I couldn't quite figure out my schedule. I could have still gone to the library at the usual time, gotten in my hour and a half of work, waited tiredly at a table amid the regulars, listened to the noises, considered the stories behind all these people who I have seen week after week in this span of time at the library. I went ahead and got dinners ready, still trying to figure out when I would go. He was already gone. He left early. He took the bus. He didn't need me to drop him off, which meant I didn't need to kill that hour at the library. I got everything ready still, though, thinking that I might go, that I might get at least a half hour in. But I didn't think I had any books to pick up, so I wasn't really sure that there was a real reason to go Other than that, I kind of need it. I thought I might go on my walk and then onto the library, create this new sequence of events. I have a book that I want to write about for the podcast, and somehow the library seems like the right space to do that, a good space. Because sitting here at home, at least six days out of seven, sitting here at home, it just doesn't happen. My activities seem so oddly locked into place, locked into place and or time. I only draw at night, late. I can't seem to break that. 
didn't always do it that way, but now I do, and I can't quite seem to break it. Anytime I think, well, I don't really have anything to do in this half hour, maybe I should draw, I feel guilty about that thought. There are other things I probably should do. I write, typically, on Saturday or Sunday morning, and maybe Thursday night at the library. So odd. Play my games? Sure. I can do that whenever, wherever I do. And that is just silly. So I got my book, my composition book and my computer, and thought I would just go ahead and go to the library, take these notes, sit at the library, and take these notes so that it happened. Try and find my groove, knowing that this year will be its own in-between space, and that if I don't actively work to carve out my own place in it, my own rhythms, my own flow, my own routines, I may flounder. So I got ready. I took my vest off and put on a coat because I hate to tell you, but it is really blissfully chilly here, the way San Francisco summers used to always be. I put on my coat and then I felt strangely silly. Why can't I just sit here and write here? Why can't I make this the space that will allow me that mental room? And even if I can't change anything, why can't I make myself just tune it all out and do it here? Why do I need to be in that other space or on the other day, weekend day? And sadly, It isn't the same. It isn't. But that's what I did. I turned on the August playlist for Patreon that I've been curating. I put my feet up on the ball because if I'm going to sit there, I'm going to use the ball. Pulled my laptop into my lap and opened a blank file. And I was telling myself the whole time, that's all this really takes, right? A blank file and a few minutes to say, This is the time. This time, the place. This is the moment to spill, to cast a net, to let the words unfurl and see how they fall and how they line up and how they spread, how they tangle and weave and merge. Tea leaves tossed in the air. Ginkgo's to the sky. Bougainvillea drifting to the sidewalk. It all comes back, piles of magenta, fuchsia, dusty faded pink, moments that have been recorded in shows through the years and lost in some ways to the ether. These utterances thrown into the air, spoken out loud, and they drift down and ultimately blow away. Those bougainvillea mysterious leaves after tea one day. So symbolic at the time, so symbolic is really the right word, but so mysterious, universal. They come to mind with the moment of wonder that they held for me at the time, the whimsy, the moment of really stopping and appreciating something so small, 
the unknown, the feeling of a moment of grace, and over the top of that memory now is the image of these leaves through the years. I know them now. Abundance, they're familiar, known, and into that memory, another layer, a tangent of birds, a listener, a moment of connection and giving, a moment of memory and grandmothers, a moment of history, a moment of reach. People often only remember what they know of you right now, it seems. Sometimes, sometimes people's memory of you might be longer than that and harder to shake. But in many cases, people know you as you are right now. The you that they see day to day, that's the you they know. But there are all the other iterations, all the other versions, moments that layer one atop another. If you viewed those as translucencies, what an amazing montage of existence we would see the moments of brilliance and inspiration, the breakthroughs, the quotidian, the moments of sadness and despair, the setbacks, the explorations, the pivots, the ups and downs all frozen in time, this towering layer upon layer upon layer that you could look through and see shimmering on all sides and see each still or each vignette or each crystalline moment, and yet also see the others layered on top of it, shifting in and out. What an amazing view. And someday we may have that kind of view. The ways in which vestiges of this and that appear here and now, connections often unspoken, sometimes unintentional, little bits that hold things together in ways that are invisible now, maybe, but inextricably tied in other ways to what came before. We see this in spaces and apps that show us the same day last year or five years ago or ten. This stack of personal history falls into place, lining up, layering, and you can see at once the many versions of then and now. There's something beautiful in that record, and without the aid of technology... It is sometimes a very difficult record to piece together and to contemplate, to think about and to keep in mind and to remember. And yet, now and then you have flashes. You're in one spot and you suddenly remember something that happened in that same spot years ago. Or you're watching your child do something and you remember years ago. That line of thought was in my head as I shared a small trading card for Throwback Thursday. And there were comments about it being a different side of me. That was really interesting for me to see because those cards were such a part of the early years of this podcast. I was just beginning to explore any of this. And I did watercolor cards, lots of them and quilted cards, and collage cards. And I've gone on in other years to do very different kinds of collage that look nothing like what was in this example. But it was an interesting comment and something that we can say about each of us in different scenarios. We see something older and we think, wow, I didn't know you did that or didn't remember you did that. Because 
I know you based on what you do now. And right now, people see that I draw portraits. And 10 years ago, or 12, I didn't. 10 years ago, or 12, it's just a blip. It's a blip in the scheme of time. 10 years ago, I didn't draw portraits, and now I do. But three years ago, I didn't draw portraits and would never have thought that I would. And a few months ago, I wouldn't have wagered that I would do a deep dive series in color either. And even that had its own natural flow and evolution. Even in 61 days, where I started is definitely not where I ended up. Two years ago, people thought of me in terms of drawing chairs and windows. And last year, people thought of me in terms of ballpoint. And years ago, people thought of me in terms of birds. It is so interesting what people know, how deep our memories go, how deep our lens goes as we look at someone or their work, and whether we see it flattened out in the present, or whether we somehow have this sense through time at the same time, simultaneous. It's very interesting how that works, how we take bits and pieces and shape it into our impression of someone, of a piece of art, of a moment in time, I have been thinking about how these moments of then and now layer through time and space, this idea, this series of translucencies, film slides, dozens of projectors, each showing a different track, a different reel, projections on a wall, glittery in the nightlight, fuzzy with age, yellowed and weathered, memories mellowed by time, you go right into the idea of pastiche. One of the things that always surprises me in Kentucky is that I can go to the library there and find graphic novels that I have never heard of or stumbled across at my own library. There are lots of reasons that surprises me. Something about going back home and finding that to be the case is always disorienting. But it has proven to be true several years in a row. I have found something each year that I'm so glad that I found or that was so unexpected. And they have a really nice graphic novel section. So now I plan on it. I go in, first thing, and look. When I take my son in, because he always wants to sign up for the summer reading program, it's an obligatory trip in some ways, part of the hallmark of how this trip goes, I guess, for him. We go in and he looks around and finds something and signs up and I stand in front of the graphic novels. I found two books this year, two that made my pile. I didn't do a lot of reading while I was at my mom's, but two graphic novels made my pile and both are ones that I want to talk about, but only one today. This first one, it is poignant and Interestingly enough, it is the perfect fit in this discussion. As I started thinking through today's talk out loud, the overlap is so right. This book is called Here by Richard McGuire. 
I grabbed it because it is a graphic novel in format and I didn't know it. And it had a really straightforward and simple style and flat color illustration that really was interesting to me because of what I have been working on and what I have considered in terms of digital work, which I'm not doing right now. I'm not doing, but I thought a lot about that in terms of colors. So when I saw this book, I immediately knew that I wanted to take this one with me to look at. It's graphic novel in format, sort of. And that sort of is important because yes, it is a visual story. There's very little text, actually, very little narrative. It's not your regular graphic novel, though, because of that, because of the ways in which it breaks form and the ways in which it unfolds. It is a story unlike anything that I've looked at before. It's dizzying in construct, defiant in its inability to be neatly explained. The narrative is so shifting and broken and fractured that It would be a project of its own to really sort out the timelines, sort out the story, piece together what is really happening on all these parallel and layered narratives. And yet, it doesn't matter. That's ultimately what I came to. I kept trying to puzzle some of it out and get the big picture understanding And at the same time, I felt like it didn't matter. I was so willing to just go page by page. You follow along willingly, letting time shift in and out, looking at and considering juxtapositions, this next to that, these moments that layer one on top of another but are separated by years or decades or even centuries. And this layering is done visually mostly through the depiction of a single room in a house. And this doesn't hold strictly true for the entire book. I wish it did, actually. The parts of the book that really work best for me really were these contemporary scenes in this house. But much of the book uses that format. And that format is amazing. It's so compelling. So I'm going to explain in the simplest way I can. But... It is by far an oversimplification. Anything that I say will be an oversimplification. I think you have to see it to understand how the book works. I don't know when I say it out loud if you're really going to grasp how this works. This book is, I think, fairly hard to explain. So in simplest terms, here takes a single room, a specific view of a room, a corner of a room. And it's a room that may be a living room or family room or sitting room, depending on your reference and your own family history. You might view this room as one or the other. And as this book shows, rooms change in use throughout the years. So it takes this one view into a room in a single house and layers moments of history onto the room. The year for each scene is noted. Every page has a year box up in the top left corner. But on the same page, snippets of and from other years might be overlaid. And they also have their own year. So on one page, you might see the core scene from one year and one or more, two, three, four or more additional scenes that are superimposed, put right on top of this scene, a different year, a different point in time. 
something happening within the same space in a different time. The time shifts in and out and back and forth. This is not straight through. There is no easy chronology. It doesn't start in 1952 and go year by year into the future. You might have 1952 and then you might have 1927. Then you might have 2015. It goes all over the place. For the reader, the rhyme or reason, I think may just be really hard to see. And again, I don't know that it matters. Here are a few examples, just so you you hear a little bit of how it works. One of the very first pages is 1957. You see this room, no people. It's shown in dusty mauve tones, and there's a crib in the middle of the floor. The next page is 1942. Same room, no furniture. The room is green, and there is a ladder in the middle of the floor. 2007, the room is now yellow and a sofa bed couch extended. The room is otherwise noticeably bare. 1957, again, the mauve room, no crib. A woman shown wondering why she has entered the room. And on this page, a small box with a cat. 1999. On the next page, 1623, the same space before there was a house. But with the woman in 1957 and the cat in 1999 still both standing in the same place from their later dates and time. 1995, the same mauve room, but a 1989 scene with four people overlaid. Different color scheme, but sitting on a sofa in the same location. The book continues this way, shifting in and out and back and forth, dates and years and moments interspersed and layered. Some pages show multiple years on the same page, but something different and maybe even unrelated is happening, or it might be something related, or maybe somehow there are echoes. There is a history unfolding, and within certain decades, you feel that you can almost piece things together, who these people are, siblings, parents. You see aging and change and death on a page from 2015 that has vignettes from 1964 and 1933. There is a snippet shown, quote, you find yourself singing a song, then you realize the lyrics are the perfect commentary on your thoughts. Your subconscious has selected them like a jukebox, end quote. And there is that feeling to this book, the humming of a thread, a continuous line through history and family. It's seductive. It's something nagging at your consciousness, the half forgotten memory floating into view the looking at this space through the decades, the looking at something and seeing the something that came before. For me, the scenes in the 1900s and after are incredibly poignant and thought-provoking. The book goes much farther than that in both directions, farther back and farther into the future. But for me, these scenes that unfold in the house, they are riveting. Stylistically, like I said, the book is flat in color, Simplified in shape, 1944, a vignette from a family photo being taken in 1969, a photo that we see happen through the years, this family photo, a conversation from 1992 overlaid across the same or similar curtains, another conversation, 1992, a child doing a headstand, 1933, a sequence of movement that unfolds over many pages, and then, in the present, the moment of 1944, you're going to remember this day for the rest of your life. 
haunting lines, echoes, the family portrait happening in 1979, the kids all grown, echoes on the page for 1995, I have something to ask you. And then, what do you want to be remembered for? Family Portrait, 1983. There are pages that are stark, quiet. There are pages that have lots and lots of fragments being brought together. This chaotic look through time. Costumes, people, conversations. Day-to-day movements of a family. The Yellow Room of 1964 with dancing moments from 1932, 2014, and 1993. This room has held and seen and witnessed it all, it seems. This room is an anchor. 1999, there is history before the room. And that is a big thread in this book. The history before this room. We see someone come to tell the mother that the house may be sitting on an important historical site. And we see bits and pieces of multiple narratives from history. Stories that are very, very old, and yet somehow inform this space. For me, the moments of modern and current were captivating. I wanted to be able to piece it all together. I still do. Even this morning when I looked at it again, and I started going through it, I was trying to find the key, the order. Through it all, I flip forwards and backwards, putting moments together and snippets and characters and scenes and appreciating how certain things reappear or unfold, change just slightly in their little segment of pages, the little boy doing that headstand. It is definitely a book that will make you think about history and memory, about the blip in time that our own personal narratives really comprise, and yet how those narratives interweave with others and overlay and about what family is and what it means, family history, and about your space, your house, a moment of here. It is a 2014 release from Pantheon Books. I hope you'll check it out. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. That is it for episode 319. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening all the way through. If you did, I very much appreciate that you tune in as one of the many things you listen to. As always, I'm Amy. You can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes with a link to this book will be on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy, and I've also added a Creativity Matters podcast account so that I can post the show covers there to announce the show because it was always an awkward fit to do that with my own personal thread. So I have split that out and I hope you'll follow me both places. Oh, Amy, oh, Amy and Creativity Matters podcast. You can also find me in the Creativity Matters podcast group at Facebook, which is a private group. And we share our creative successes and struggles and goals and work day to day. So if you're interested in a small group, check us out. Thank you to those of you who support the CMP in any way, especially thank you to those of you at Patreon. I appreciate all of you who in some way have shown your support of this show in the last year. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. 
Have a great week, everyone.